learning how to trust your training and your intuition takes time. It can be challenging, especially as you start something new in the new year here. But today, we change that. This is episode 207 with Amanda Pressgraves, and you are tuned in to Forever Athlete Radio, where together we go far. I'm your host, Corey Camp, and today we got a little bit of a bonus episode of sorts. See, in 2023, one of the things I'm committed to is bringing you more of the nuggets that we've been really having in these live podcast conversations over in the Forever Athlete Social Club. They're free, but if you haven't gone over there, I highly encourage you to check it out at foreverathletesocialclub.com. This is one of those conversations. We had Amanda join us. She is a pro triathlete, a nutrition coach, a mindset coach, and most recently a published author. She shares her formula of how she learned to really trust herself over the years, how she learned to trust her training because it differs than most other pro triathletes, and how you can start to do the same wherever it is that you are at in your training program this year. We cover everything from developing a plan that works for you, building self-confidence from within, how to actually follow through on new habits that you set out to create this year, and most importantly, I think, improving your relationship with social media. So before we dive into it, one of the things that I would really, it would mean the world to me if you could share this episode right now with a friend, a family member, or a teammate, and take the time to leave a review wherever it is that you are listening to this episode right now. So whether that be Spotify, Apple Podcasts, take a second to pause, leave us a review, your honest thoughts. I would love your feedback on how we can continue to improve the show as we get into the year here. Now, with that being said, I appreciate you being here. So let's dive into it with Amanda. Welcome to the show. I'm, Thank I'm you for stoked. having me. Yeah, I'm stoked for you to be here. I'm so Kind of full here. circle. Like we shared the same pool deck. And it's funny. I listened to your conversation with Natalie and yeah. Rosie on the Rise mm-hmm. podcast oh, back in the day. <laughs> and I was like, man, I'm feeling a little bit of that today. It's like <laughs> we shared the same pool deck, but we had never talked. <laughs> well, and now the thing with Nat Wild, I went and Googled our names together. We swam next to each other in the same heat. And Corey, I mean, we were on zones teams together, like back in the early PBS days, which I, I don't know about you. I'm still connected with a lot of those, like a lot of our friends from like eight to 10 years old. Yeah, and it's Lord. so fun to see people still connected to sport or not at all and doing other things. Like I really enjoy, I still have this, this like silent connection to them, even though we haven't talked in 20 years, it's like, I still feel like a part of your life. A hundred percent. I mean, Laura Schwartz is like one of my really good mm-hmm. friends still yeah. to this day and same thing, like met through the zones. Uh, yep. team. Mm-hmm. I think Laura probably... Schwartz even came on a recruiting trip to JMU. To JMU. I met her there. Yeah. Yep. I'm not surprised. Uh, yep. it's the small world. <laughs> it's the swim world, right? Um, you got to love it. But and that's the world of sports. You know, yeah. I think that's what sports do too. I think the beauty of it, right, is this podcast is really born in it. And I was, I had to be very careful when this first started. So for context, your episode 207, which ah, is crazy to so say amazing. out loud. Um, but when we first started, I realized all my connections primarily were in the swimming world. I was like, well, I don't want to be a swimming podcast. So how do we start to branch out of this? But now I think we've done a good job diversifying and I'm still. Well, it's like you went out and like we came back in and I'm still connected with you. And honestly, like what I connect with you the most over now is not swimming at all. It's like the other philosophies and messages and meanings in our life that are shared. It's not swimming. Swimming might have introduced one another, you know, to each other, but that's not what really has bonded us. Yeah. Well, I mean, 
I I like to think back and reflect on my swimming days sometimes, and I wouldn't say often, but it does come up every now mm-hmm. and then. And I look at there was a lot of teammates and people that I were introduced to where mm-hmm. quite literally the only thing that was in common between us was swimming. Mm-hmm. Um, and then now the beauty of it's like swimming can be that initial connection point. Mm-hmm. And I talk about this a lot with just making human connection in mm-hmm. general. You need some, we all are trying to find something in common. The faster we can do that, the better and more likely we are going to connect with that other person. But then it becomes, once you find that common point, now you want to find some diversity from there. And I think that's, you know, what you've been able to do really well. And what I've seen from when, it, when we got first connected and kind of doing some research and seeing what you're about now, it's, you've done a great job of like taking that previous identity, at, mm-hmm. but growing beyond that and diversifying mm-hmm. from it. And I would be remiss, obviously, if we don't talk about the full circle moment of like mm. you brought in that to help yeah. with the illustrations of oh my the gosh. book here. Right. I it's feel really like it's really cool to see all the connections. Mm. But I guess my my first real question for you is like, when did you know that one you wanted to write a book, mm. let alone a recipe slash cookbook, but <laughs> not in the traditional yeah. sense? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's not not Instagrammable picture mm-hmm. and here's the recipe. You yeah. went a lot deeper in a different route. Oh my gosh. I think to even answer that question, it takes unpacking 10 steps before that because Let's to even it. get to time. that, okay. <laughs> to even get to that point of recognizing there was something in me that could potentially write something, I had to recognize that there was something in me beyond sport. Mm. And like you for so much of my life, all I was, was Amanda the swimmer. And it took until being injured, having hip repairs on both of my, like had two surgeries for hip repairs, being told perhaps I won't swim again to even explore beyond the realms of the pool <clears throat> and see myself in a different context, which it, you, you know, you touched on so many things in, in terms of like how we connect with our community. And I, I love, would love to touch on that too, in terms of like, how I want to connect with my community so much more beyond sport, but like being a swimmer and being on a swim team in college, like that's really your only community and your, that's your bubble. And when you lose that, you lose like your relationships and friendships. Like if you're not swimming, you're no longer socializing with people. You lose your ability to authentically express yourself in the way that you always have, which is movement for me, the ability to feel confident in our, and safe in our own bodies. And like having all of that snatch, you, there's, many physiological processes that are happening that are very detrimental to your mental health and your sense of self. And it took being challenged with that double hip surgery, actually going and traveling to the Philippines and creating my own study abroad trip and studying there for the summer before my hip surgeries to recognize I was passionate and interested. And maybe there was something there for me outside of sport. Mm. And it was during that time that really opened my eyes to so much more of the world. I never even traveled outside the country. Like the only traveling, I never even went on vacation with my family. The only traveling I ever did was to swimming. And so like, and I love that life. Like I love swimming. Mm. I still love swimming. I swam this morning, but it really took that challenge. And it was during that time that I began to see the world very differently in terms of opportunities around me. And I ended up starting a student run locally sourced food truck during that time at JMU and that opened my eyes to entrepreneurship that opened my eyes to, wow, 
what else can I cultivate within myself and pursue outside of sport? And I was so fortunate to be able to return back to the water the next year. And it, it completely changed my approach to swimming coming from a place of gratitude, swimming from a place of, wow, I had this taken from me. And I'm so grateful for every moment I get to be on this pool deck and challenge myself in this way and express myself through the water. And also I'm going to be an entrepreneur and I want to go to business school and I want to pursue supporting and nutrition in my local food system. And I want to coach people and like, what else can I do? What else can I do? And you asked about writing Mm -hmm. and this is really funny. You asked that because ever since coming out of my book, people are like, Oh, like, how do you write a book? How long have you been writing? And my story might be kind of untraditional here, but I came about it the wildest way. I actually was, I studied exercise science in college. I, and I was taking a social behavior change course. And if, have you ever read power of habit? Mm-hmm. Um, we it's read that behind book. me somewhere on, I see on it. It's, it's the yellow one on your bookshelf. It sticks out to me. That is, was such a life-changing book for me. So we studied that book, we read it in class. And through the course of the semester, we had to create a new habit. And so it's exercise science. So most people mm-hmm. are like drinking, you know, six ounces of water or like making sure they exercise 30 minutes a day. And I, after having that experience with the food truck, I, I was curious what kind of habit I could cultivate that was very different than my lifestyle before. And I wondered what could happen if I started writing every day. And like any habit, you don't just, and running, like let's, let's use running, for example. You don't just start off running 30 minutes every day. You start off like run walking. You do it every other day. It's 15 minutes and the next week it's 20. Then you increase the intensity. You periodize this. You don't just go all in at once and break that habit. And so I started with like writing 15 minutes every other day. And then, you know, I, I progressively increased my volume of writing and it suddenly became so easy to me. And I grew up with ADHD. Like I, my mind is always spinning. That's another whole nother conversation why sports so important to me. We can get to that. But, um, writing was the first time I felt clarity outside of, of sport and like the water and having that outlet of activity was always what I needed to, um, expend my energy and mm-hmm. find like a clear thought. You know, when you spend a long time staring at a black line, like it gives you some, some moments of think and writing was the first time that I didn't like, I could find that in, in pausing. I just started writing and that was 2015. And it wasn't until 2019, over four years later that I, the idea came to me to write a book. Like, and that was only because everyone kept asking me how I make the food that I I make. And I was like, I don't know. I can't really give you an answer. I'm going to actually start like tracking it and writing it down and write down my recipes. And very quickly, I was like, I'm the last person to write a recipe book. I've literally never followed a recipe in my entire life. Like this is the antithesis of a recipe book. And so like, that's what it became was like teaching people how to write their own recipes with the ingredients that they have in their kitchen, what they Mm. need. And it's very much providing guidance for them to explore like the resources that they have and meet themselves where they are, which what I found is a parallel for life. And so this is much more than just like an experience in the kitchen. It's how this carryovers to our movement practices, to our ways of thinking, to the ways we express ourselves and living our day to day. So that was a really long winded answer to what you said, but I think that like, yeah, there's a lot happening there. it's not, it wasn't like this simple, simple thing of like, I'm going to write a book. It just yeah. kind of came out, came out of me. It never is, right? Mm-hmm. Um, no, it isn't. It's not that simple. Things are complex. And I like I, to dive into that. I love to hear kind of the nuance there. I mean, so many things that I want to kind of like double click mm-hmm. and expand yeah. on. The first being 
you mentioned writing being a new habit that you picked up mm -hmm. about now what seven years ago yeah mm -hmm. um which is crazy to think that that yeah. was seven years ago mm -hmm. uh i can't believe yeah. we're coming up i'm coming up on my like 10 year high school reunion here soon i, I mean, just did i know it's flown. you're like that's not that's actually false there's no way mm -mm. Mm -mm. <laughs> i just graduated last year <laughs> it's it's not i'm still not figuring real. out what i want to do so it's not real uh but uh, what i'm curious about is you kind of mentioned this periodization of run walk mm -hmm. there's well-documented um really programming and ways to, to get mm -hmm. into running, to get into the gym, to, mm -hmm. how did you get into running or oh not running? Gosh. I mean, um, oh, I was like, writing. well, do you want me to answer that question for you? No, no, not running. <laughs> writing? Uh, I meant writing. How did you get into writing? Because at least the way that I see it, like, was it through prompts that started mm -hmm. off? Okay. Yeah. It wasn't okay, just so like, I'm going to open up question. a journal <laughs> and go. Yeah. You, we all need some guidance, right? It's like, trying to incorporate running or any movement practice and kind of just like pulling it out of our ass and being like, I think I'll just go as hard as I can. You know, that doesn't work. So there's a couple of different paths that I took and I would, I would, you know, modulate between them. And I think that's like how any good practice is like, there are some days where you're doing like long, slow distance, or some days you're doing sprints or some days you're doing hills or some days you're doing technique. Mm -hmm. I like I studied exercise science. So I very much like look at my life this way, very like design and stylistically. So when I look at my writing, there's days where I just have a stream of consciousness and I just need to write, 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 write. I, I might've had a thought come to me while I was in the water and I wrote like down a bullet point and I want to return back to this. I like literally would have a notebook with me by the pool. Um, and there's some days that I actually would Google prompts. Um, for example, like today's the first of December, what like something I've just been thinking about on my mind is like, what is like one word to describe my intention for the month and like expand mm -hmm. upon that. Um, or perhaps I read an article. I am very much someone who becomes ignited by what I'm listening to and exposed to and consuming and reading. So perhaps I listen to a blip on a podcast and I'm like, whoa, that just like, I'm at the gym and I'm like taking notes and screenshotting that, that, that sentence. And I'm like, I, this just sent something off in me or they found the words I didn't have. And I need to write that down. So many times I'm inspired by other authors out there. So I'll read a section of a book and that's like, there's a quote that really spoke to me. Like, mm. what are those nudges? What are those moments where it almost feels like there's like an energetic um, expansion behind it that you need to, you know, further explore? That's, there's so many different ways, but like, I feel like the inspiration, the prompts, and then the stream of consciousness are like the three biggest ones for me. Yeah. How did you start to train your brain to identify those? I can't mm. help but think of the yeah. the Instagram <laughs> spiritual gurus out there oh that are gosh. like, I had this download today. It's like, oh yeah, my you, gosh. Had a thought. you had a thought. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. Okay. Right. <laughs> um, but how did you start to train your brain to start to recognize that these light bulb moments are literally all around you? Was it a shift mm. in what you were consuming and like putting in front of you and in your environment? Or like, what did that look like? I think it's both. And once we put attention to, we grow. And mm. so when you start to begin to see things in this way, it's kind of like astrology or like reading your horoscope, right? It's like, today you're going to have luck. And you're like looking for luck everywhere, right? Or like the number 11 is going to speak to you and you see 11 every single place. You know, like that's that's what the spiritual gurus are talking about. It's just that you have a bias towards noticing that, right? Mm. Um, I think the same goes for opportunities. And that was, you know, going back to even just like uh, my first introduction into business and entrepreneurship, like that began by opportunity seeking. It wasn't like I was trying to solve a problem. I saw an opportunity out there. And so I think we can like train our brains to see that. 
And then once we do that, like we just kind of keep seeing it over and over again, Mm. but like, even for like seeing, like feeling that like very fleeting sense of inspiration or a thought passing through us, uh, there's this incredible book called, uh, uh, let's see, was it big magic? Um, Okay. Yeah. I think you you quoted it in your book. I did because there were so many moments she talked about, um, inspiration and creativity as this like very passing thing. And we're just trying to grab it. We have to capture it all down, but it's running through our heads too fast and we can't write it. And it's like, it's going to pass us. It's going to pass us. Like I need to track this. Like you just have to capitalize on those moments. And then Mm. like, when you feel you're happening, you just need to like, write it down, write it down, write it down. And like, um, Another practice I, I do is like writing down like 10 ideas a day. Like once you start to train your mind to see ideas, to like think creatively, like it's just like building a muscle in the gym. Like mm. you have to, you have to put attention to it or it's going to atrophy. So it takes work. Like it doesn't just like come naturally at first. You have to, you have to incorporate that practice into your life. Yeah. Well, I, I love that one. I love where this conversation has gone. Um, <laughs> mainly because of the timeliness which this episode is going to be coming out it's going to be the the first episode of the show in the new year so it's a very i think applicable and timely Mm -hmm. message to talk Mm -hmm. about because you know it's it's always the new year we have Mm -hmm. that that bigger motivation yeah we love our clean slate yeah our brain loves a temporal start of hey Mm -hmm. it's a it's a new year it's a new week it's and pretty sure i think the first comes on a sunday so if you do like sunday wow. to sunday you're like oh my god this is yeah, a bonus. Divine. yeah and so this will come out on the second and what you just gave more or less was this blueprint for people to start a new habit recognizing that you know it just it just has to start where you're currently at it doesn't have to yeah. be something bigger than that and the other thing i kind of want to circle back to mm-hmm. in regards to just the inspiration and the way that this book mm-hmm. came about for you. You said, you know, you're the last person to write a recipe book. Mm-hmm. So you, you chose to do the antithesis route. And what I think is actually truly so powerful and empowering about it and the way that you were able to pull this off and put this together was instead of bringing these people fish, you have taught them how to fish mm-hmm. themselves yeah. by giving them a blueprint and a toolkit to yeah. say, hey, literally whatever is in your kitchen yeah. this is how you can start to look at right. the banana and right. this piece of bread and, and exactly. whatever and throw it together what you create i think that's so powerful because that's almost that's like step five and six mm-hmm. for a lot of people when we're talking about yeah. relationship with food yeah um we i think traditional recipe books while they can be great they're almost like the training yeah. wheels of right and you're, you're giving them the graduated, like training yeah. wheels and the graduated version. And oh gosh, there's so much. That's why I wrote a whole book on this. There's so much for me to go into that, like, you know, for me to dive deeper into it. Uh, so I think I will preface and I say this in my book, like I'm not against recipes. Like I think recipes mm-hmm. are beautiful. There's so much history and culture and knowledge that's passed down. And there's always something for us to learn from that. Like what I am saying is don't let them limit you because too often I think we're trying to eat the perfect diet, have the perfect meal prep, have the beautiful kitchen and all of the amazing ingredients. And that's just not reality. Like Mm. 90% of the time we are all walking into the kitchen, burnt out at the end of the day, being like, what the hell am I going to cook for myself? Like, let's just be honest. And so I want someone to be able to feel inspired by that process instead of limited. And isn't that how life is too? 
so many times, like we don't have all the resource handed to us. We don't have like the best bike. We don't have like the perfect degree, or maybe we didn't even go to school, but we can make it work for ourselves and we can create Mm -hmm. our own path and like forge our own direction. And that's exactly like what we can practice first in a really safe place of the kitchen. And I do, I spent so much time trying to unpack what that process was for me. And that's why my book took me three, three years to write. Cause I, I genuinely didn't know how I arrived at the byproduct of a non-rusty in the kitchen. And it took like a shit ton of therapy. Like <laughs> I just need to pay for that first. <laughs> like let's like pay off that bill. And then it also took so much self-reflection to really understand what was my thought process going through the kitchen. And I do dive a little, I dive a lot into that. That's like each part of my book is talking through the five steps that I think are how we can design a path in the kitchen and also in designing and creatively expressing ourselves in life. And like you said, it starts with first understanding like what we need and that's taking inventory. It's like step Mm -hmm. one is like take inventory internally of yourself. Did did you just work out? Is there, do you need extra carbohydrates and protein? What exactly are you feeling? Are you cold and you want a warm, nourishing soup? Understand what you need first. Second, like know your resources, like what's available to you in your kitchen. Do you only have like a rotting head of broccoli and some rice? Like figure out what you have before you take the next step of then like expanding upon that. But once we first, like when we can assess what we have, then we can just boundlessly use our imagination and dream. Like we can start researching ideas, like literally like Googling like broccoli rice, like what can we make with that? And then like imagining in our head how we can put these things together. And then like anything in life, like we're tasting as we go, we're iterating, like just because like part of that rice burnt, like you can still work with that and like turn it into a stir fry. Like we can always kind of work with whatever comes out of a situation that we're in. Mm. And then at like the very last step at the end of the day, like let it nourish you. Like not just the outcome, but the process of it too. Like you need to let that process of cooking and caring for yourself propel your journey. And I I think that practicing that mindset and that approach, I notice that carry over so much in my life and the directions that I choose and how I uh, just approach certain activities in my day to day. Yeah. I mean, I love the, the process that you just gave there. It, it actually made me think of one of previous podcast guests, Ooh. a friend of mine, uh, Dan Churchill, who's a chef. Ooh. He's got this um, series that he's been doing lately that I've been loving watching where he goes around New York City and he basically just asks people like, hey, I'm a chef. What can I like? Can I come cook you a meal with whatever you have in your oh kitchen? Oh my God. Okay, check him out. This and it's, cool. I mean, perfect city to do it, right? Mm-hmm. There's some of these kitchens that he's walking into. He's like, this is literally the smallest kitchen that I've ever seen or the most poorly stocked kitchen. And his challenge is to make a somewhat gourmet meal out of whatever is there. And I I hear a lot of that in what you're kind of encouraging and empowering people Mm -hmm. to do through these, those steps that you just highlighted is more or less the same thing. Like take ownership of what Mm -hmm. is in here Mm -hmm. and then the bounds are, you know, it's endless. It is endless. And it's once we realize our capability to create, even with constraints, I think that is empowering to recognize like all the other areas of our life Mm. that we can do that too. And I see, I talk about this carryover in sports because so many times as an athlete, your, your resources are very limited, whether that's your time or equipment, 
your finances, the, you know, the means that you have, but you like really need to get creative with that. Like, for example, like when I started mountain biking, like I did not have the nicest bike, like any, every triathlon that I did, I borrowed someone's bike. Like I couldn't afford a bike. And so like, I just did the best with what I had. They're they're so expensive. It's insane. And then talk, that's a whole other story on how that, like that sport is developed into the, you know, audience that it has. But I mean, my first triathlon was on my dad's beach cruiser, you know? And like, I was just so grateful for that. Then my second one was on a bike of a coach who like lended it to me for that day. And I had like cages, like I didn't clip into my bike. And then the next time it was on another friend's bike. And then then I found a bike on Craigslist and I made it to nationals. And I was like, maybe I can start investing into this. And, um, we don't, we can just start somewhere. Like we mm. don't need to have all the perfect resources. And even like with our equipment in the kitchen, I really want this approach to be accessible to anyone. And I, I believe anyone can use the kitchen to connect with themselves, their culture, their family themselves. And, um, you don't need to have everything perfect and figuring figured out to begin. Yeah. Well, I, th- I think, what I'm hearing a lot and download I just got was this idea of how, you know, sport, it has some structure to it. Like the races that you and I grew up swimming, there was structure to it. Mm-hmm. It was a set distance, a set mm-hmm. stroke or a mix of strokes, whatever it may be. But there was freedom within that. Like I could mm-hmm. swim a race that served me and you could mm-hmm. swim a race that served you. And that could look two totally mm-hmm. different things Mm -hmm. do you think Mm -hmm. that's where this like innate ability for you to seek out creativity and find your strengths whether that be in the kitchen Mm -hmm. or elsewhere in life has really come from because you were trained in that sense for Mm -hmm. a number of years perhaps perhaps absolutely like i as you said that i had a download (laughs) Little downloads here. We're just run the downloads up on the actual. Yeah, like their data is just. (laughs) I, I don't think I trusted myself to do that until after my injury in college, actually, because for so yeah, what do you think shifted there? I I think for so long our trust comes from someone else's program, and Mm. like what someone's telling you, and you trust in that because you're like you're the coach, you're the expert, and it wasn't until I I uh, explored a completely different type of training. Like that summer I moved out to California and I worked for a swim scientist and I was pursuing physical therapy and coaching and personal training for a long time. And I still love that. Um, I just realized there's a lot of other stuff I want to do too, but I completely changed my approach to training. I actually like was lifting every day and was only swimming a few times a week. And Mm. I almost got my trials cuts that summer. Like I dropped my first meet back from my surgery. I dropped so much time and my coach was like, okay, there's something to this. And he let me program a lot of my next year. I started getting on, like I was doing indoor cycling. I like kind of incorporate a little bit of running into my training. Like all these things that swimming, like typically in swimming, like you're just in the water and you just do your lifting. And that's basically it. Mm -hmm. Um, I, instead of doubling, I would spend my afternoons doing visualization training. I would put like Oculus goggles on and like see my race, like a lot of, like, it was very non-traditional. Um, and that was when, and I had my best season after that, but that was when I think I began to trust in another way. And like what I knew the science and I was kind of figuring out the art too, of how, how to train myself and how to trust in myself. And so I think that kind of goes back to what you were saying and like working within those limits, like for so long, I didn't know how to do that. I didn't, 
I didn't know how to get creative within like mm. my own race. Cause I just was following like the same lane as everyone else. And then when I learned to like make my own lane and like stay in it, um, that's when I started to like explore other avenues of like training and even like, uh, approaching swimming in, in my life. And, and even like that goes into today, like with my triathlon training, like my approach to triathlon training is probably unlike any other professional. Like mm. I don't, I don't really have much of like a structured training plan. I just like go off of like feel in the weather and like, I'm like, okay, cool. And sometimes that's intentional. If it's raining, I go ride my bike in the rain. So I need to train in those elements, but, um, it's like constant, it's kind of the same process as the kitchen, like checking with myself and what do I need? Like, what haven't I done? Do I need to like incorporate intervals this week? Like, do I need a more longer, like slow, slow zone today? Like, these are all things I've learned to like trust myself to do. Mm. And I show up so confident to my races now. Cause I'm like, I'm not burnt out. Like I constantly was like iterating and like playing with my type of training all year. And yeah, I, because of, I think that like approach that you're saying, it's really allowed me to continue to sustain sport to today. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like you went from the kid that is going to the coach and be like, okay, yeah. so how do I swim the 200 freestyle? Just tell me what to do. Just, Just tell, tell me, me like what the first do 30 it. seconds, what do I yeah. do? Like, I'll... I'll work so hard. And instead it almost, it, isn't it ironic that it took mm-hmm. a moment where it was taken away from you mm-hmm. and then you were empowered to just explore mm-hmm. something new to be almost be open to a new way of doing things Mm. which i think is always interesting because we can oh my gosh we can make that decision today we can make Mm. that decision at literally any time but it Mm. oftentimes takes something bigger than ourselves something like that or having it taken from you yeah like like i think watching it from like you know a bird's eye view of being like oh my god i would do anything to be there and now i see all that anyone wants of you is to have fun like no one gives a shit what time i go like damn it. I just want to be in the water. And like, I'll never forget, like returning back to swimming. And like, you know, like I did before I'd ask my coach, like, okay, what split should I hit? Like, what do I need to be doing? Like, I'm very much like I'm a very coachable person. I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was like, just do what you know how to do. And I was like, fuck, you're right. Like it can be easy. Like I, I've been doing this my whole life. Of course I know what to do. Well, how do you find that balance between that structure and guidance and mm. the freedom within it? I mm. I often look at it as the sandbox because uh, you need both, right? Yeah. Like you need the boundaries around the sandbox to mm-hmm. actually have sand to play in. It mm, doesn't dissipate like and go wherever. Yeah. Um, but the individual gets to dictate how large that or how small that box yeah. is. Some of us need more yeah. structure and boundaries mm-hmm. than other people how have you yep. found that balance now that kind of serves you? Um, and is that a constant? Yeah, like, I think it is a constant tweaking process. I think inherently because of both of our backgrounds, like for me, I'm naturally just like going to create my own structure. And mm-hmm. I'm actually like need to play and fight and resist that side of the spectrum. That's like make it structured, like follow the plan. Like I need to kind of like challenge that constantly be like, actually, is that really what you need today? Or are you just sticking to that because you had it on the agenda? That's mm-hmm. what I'm resisting. Whereas other people are like kind of needing that support and there's no right or wrong way. We just need to understand where we fall on that. Like some people really need a coach to help them through that. I actually, I was getting a coach, like the, um, there's a, there's a program through like the United States, like triathlon, like Olympic group. And they coach 
like up and coming athletes out of school. And that's what I did for swimming after swimming was like, I was kind of recruited through that. And I had a training plan and I got super injured. Like I had a handful of stress fractures in my foot because I, if someone gives me a plan, I will follow it until I'm crawling on the ground. And then that was a moment for me. That was in like 2019 that I was like, okay, I think I don't, I shouldn't have a coach. Like, because I really know what I need and I just need to trust myself with that. And I've never, I have not going to wait. I've been so consistent since that moment. I haven't had mm-hmm. any injuries and like, it's constantly, it's, I think it is, is also a huge part of that has been engaging more in outdoor recreation and in the natural world, which has kind of been my own coach. Um, mm-hmm. There's a lot of lessons and messages from nature and the seasons and um, the natural rhythms of our world that I've been taking away and guiding my training with. And that's been helping me um, periodize my training. Um, so that's been huge. Like it's almost like nature has been my coach a little bit. Um, but so that's just my experience. But like I said, like there's so many people that really do want me some structure and support mm. and like, there's no right or wrong way. We just need to be honest with ourselves with what we need. Yeah. I was about to say, it's, it really boils down to our ability to meet ourselves where yeah, we're at. Exactly. And sometimes, yeah. sometimes that takes a coach to be able to mm-hmm. sit you down and say, Hey, realistically, this is where you're at yeah. you're where you think you are. And yeah. other times you're, I always argue though, like, we're all experts in our own experience mm-hmm. because we're the only ones that have lived it. Um, That's right. Sometimes so like, it, go ahead. Well, it's just like when we, like when I was having that plan from a coach, I should have like checked in with myself too and, and collaborated mm-hmm. the two. It said it wasn't a collaboration and that's on me. That's on yeah. me for not like being honest with myself. Um, do you think that stems from a background of team? I mean, the irony, oh, right? Like people are oh, like, yeah. oh, swimming such an individual sport, but Absolutely not. the training and everything is is so team oriented. And mm-hmm. like I remember my junior year going to my coach at Delaware and being like, Hey, I need more distance stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, because I just knew I needed more yardage for my own sake and for my own yeah. races. And he was like, Cool, the solution was actually for me to go to early practice in the afternoon and then stay for the first hour of the second practice in the afternoon to get more yardage that way. But it was just repeating the same practice versus like actually being able to do something specific for me. And the reason I bring that up is I'm curious for you is like, is it really your fault in that moment of not Mm. being in being more collaborative with that initial coach in the triathlete space? Or do you think it's just, was learned behavior of, Hey, in the past, like I was never mm-hmm. given that permission. Yeah. So I've never even thought to ask, Hey, can we, can we work through this together? Yeah. Okay. Two things. So one, yes, I think as a coach and like now being a coach myself, I know it's like a constant collaboration and communication and conversation around like getting feedback. How did that work? How do you feel? Let's tweak. Like we don't need to stick to the plan just because it's an arbitrary plan. Like let that be a guide and not like, we don't need to follow it like a Bible. Um, also there's so much that just stems from like sports culture growing up for me that like morally, how dare I deviate from the plan that like all my teammates are having to do too. Like, Mm. that's so unfair if I don't finish practice, like even my senior year, like being a leader, like senior leader on the team, like I still was like constantly fighting the guilt of like not completing a practice because like, that's not what my training, my new training plan was like, that they had to do that second practice. Like what people would think of me that I'm not like working as hard. It's all about working hard. Like Mm. that's not fair. She needs to be working hard too. And 
I wish we would step away from that a little bit and just recognize everyone's unique needs. But like, I think that even carries over to like my, well, I know it does. There's so much I still have to resist today and like working hard and being tough and Mm. like resisting that and knowing that's not really what I need, but like something told me if I'm not doing that, then I'm like being complacent and lazy and not a good teammate and not a good leader. And, um, like I I'm sure you experienced that too. Swimming. Yeah. I mean, it's tough because the inherent comparative nature of the Mm -hmm. sport, right? Like it's, it's very black and white. You either were faster than me or slower than me based off of a time on a board or on a clock, whatever that is. But yeah, I mean, you bring up a good point there. I, I've I've gone through seasons in my own life these past mm-hmm. few years where, like, the David Goggins of the world really uh-huh. spoke to me at one point. Uh-huh. The, yes, the Ed I, I can relate. I can relate. Yeah. yeah. Are, are you familiar with Ed Milet at all? And, I'm more like, um, like, yeah, David Goggin in my ear, like, Joe Rogan, like, these people that are like, this is what you do. You work hard. And, like, if you freaking want something, like, you work every day for it. And, like, I really, like... That was yeah. great at one point. Sure, I have discipline now, but like that's not the message we need to hear forever either. <laughs> exactly. And that was kind of where I was going because the time at which we're recording this, December mm-hmm. 1st, mm-hmm. Um, and my lad a few years ago, at least, I don't think it was his concept that he came up with, but he shared a piece of content that stuck out to me. It was like, this is separation season. Like from Thanksgiving to Christmas, you can separate yourself from everyone. And mm-hmm. And part of me is like, yeah, heck yeah. But then the other part mm-hmm. of me is like, but I think there is some magic to this yes, part of year as well. Absolutely. And it's, you talked about sport yeah. conditioning, right? Mm-hmm. Like this historically always was mid season taper meet yes. time. And then in college, it led to then training mm-hmm. trip and like, you had that break from plus. school. You could just focus on swimming. Yeah. And it was almost like, great i almost liked it better when school was in session because at Mm -hmm. least i didn't have to run my body into the ground yeah four or five hours a day exactly like we lose any sense of like rhythm into our life it's like just swimming and and (laughs) you know it's funny like i I, like technically like compete triathlon professionally but like i also work like five other jobs for those listening you used yeah i use quotations because like i like that's like my title on paper however like one i don't make all my money doing that so like I just want to emphasize that for people out there listening and thinking that's like a really glamorous world. It's not, um, I just do it cause I love it. And that was like the byproduct of it. Um, but like, I would not be a good athlete if all I was doing was being an athlete. Like I would just say that I would have no perspective. All my eggs would be in that basket. I would not be healthy. I'd be manic. I'd be like very nuts about that one thing. And I've been there with swimming when you're what, exactly when you're talking about during that point of training trip, when you're in Florida, I'm like, it was like, that was everything to me. And you lose all perspective and it's it's really not good and i that quote you said about like this being like separation season that is so funny because that is the devil on my shoulder that i'm Mm. constantly fighting it's like this is when achievement happens if you really want that goal you got to do the work when everyone else is getting tired like this is what's going to make you different and instead like i'm needing to challenge that idea so much and be like is that really steering me into what I need right now, because if I constantly just keep pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing, eventually I'm going to get hurt. Eventually Mm. it's not going to feel good. And there is so much power and strength to actually slowing in this season. And I feel that urge. I, I feel it so deeply. And what I'm constantly going up against is like our consumerist and like 
you know, capitalist culture this time of year. That's like, finish out the year strong, like get the work done, like make sure you're doing everything for everyone. And it's like, how the hell am I supposed to receive when I'm constantly putting out, putting out, putting out, putting out for other people. And like, I know I feel so secure and settled and I feel my greatest self-worth actually when Mm. I am resting in this time. It's like, it is such a, it's such a heightened sense of relief and satisfaction. And like my creativity and my mind just flows differently when I actually take a break this year. And like, but yet I'm still like, I go up against these systems. I go up against it every year. I write about it in my book. And like, I'm basically just writing for myself because like, that's what I need to remind myself about is that like, it is okay to like, just allow this to happen. And like, maybe settle into this season and take some time for myself. And like, who knows what could come of that? Like, who knows what could come out, come out of that rest when we actually just allow ourselves to be in this season. Yeah. How do you give yourself that permission to go against the grain, so to speak? Right. Because it, it, mm-hmm. you said it's the devil on your shoulder. Yeah. And I quite honestly, I do think it is that visual of mm-hmm. like in one corner, you do have the the David Goggins that might let mm-hmm. mindsets of the world being like mm-hmm. foot on the gas, don't let up, finish out strong. Yeah. And then on the other hand, you have almost the pendulum swinging so far the other direction being like, just mail it in the rest of the year. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's years over basically we might as well start over next year right and like me I you know it's almost like I don't I don't look at it like that way as if I'm being lazy it's actually like the hard thing to do is sometimes to rest and Mm. there's something there with that resistance and like from this time into the winter solstice I almost feel like what many people feel to be like January 1st like I think we can start something new any day and like December 1st to me is like a time to like really like put my blinders up and like uh, remove some of the fuzziness, some of the distraction, some of the gnawing at my attention and be like, and it, what helps me is the data, like the, my mm. personal data that has shown when I have taken time to like create more white space into this time of year for me, when I've slowed down a bit, like the data, the record shows that I feel better. I feel rejuvenated. I feel nourished. I can actually like give to others and like receive the goodness. And like, to me, that data point is, this is like really silly, but like noticing how like beautiful the sunrise is, like Mm. taking time to like see something that I would have just like overlooked because I'm rushing from thing to thing. It's like, these are the, the sort of moments that I have. It's like, it's so simple. And I like almost feel there's a new life energy to me that I didn't have before because I'm just noticing what's so simple and what was already there. I didn't need to work so hard for it. And that's, a t- this is, I know it's working when I start to have those experiences. I love that. I love that you bring data into the picture. Spoken like a true exercise <laughs> science major. The data's in the writing too. It's like, it's like in my old journal entries. It's like, that's why I write. It's, it's like my own documentation of it because I know I'm going to have this pattern again. Like we're constantly coming up against this. So like, I almost like I write so much to remind myself that like you have this every year, Amanda, like just look back at the data, like you're going to be okay. And, and actually part of that data stems from when I was swimming, I would, (laughs) this is like so funny, but I realized like, it's actually really a helpful practice. And I do it with like the teen athletes that I work with. Um, before a meet, I would almost like forget all the hard work I'd put in and I wouldn't trust myself. And I'd be like, I didn't work hard enough this season. Like I could have done this. Like, I'm not ready. 
So what I started doing was like writing down every reason why I would succeed. And I put it on the sheet of paper, like all the reasons why I should succeed and like really silly things like, um, I like ate really well, or like this song I really like, or that like one, three, 300 breaststrokes that where I like blew it out mm. of the water. Like that's the reason why I succeed. And, um, I had to have that data and documentation for me to, to build myself trust. And, um, when we have that sort of reminder, it's kind of like our own Bible, right? Like, it's like, okay, let us like lean on that when we're kind of like uh, lacking direction or like lacking uncertainty in our own path is like, just remember like what we have done and how this has like led us down the right direction in the past. Yeah. I mean, I kind of, I wouldn't say I bashed Goggins earlier, but one of the mm -hmm. biggest things that I took away from him. Absolutely. I think it's, yeah. a, I mean, that, that sort of mentality is- yeah great to tap to be able to tap into when you yeah. need to um what you just described to me reminds me of a activity that he um introduced me to of this like mental really? cookie jar concept oh. of when you do those hard things when you do those mm -hmm. things where you make yourself proud or it is a mm -hmm. moment of like oh wow i can really trust myself yeah. like writing those things down and or or just taking a mental note and throwing them in your mental cookie jar so that then when you do find yourself in those moments where you're faced with a shred of self-doubt, you're faced with that yes. lack of confidence, you're faced with a new challenge in front of you, you can go back to that cookie jar and you can right. say, no, I am that dude. I am that girl. Yeah. Like, I've done this mm -hmm. before. I got mm -hmm. this. I'm going to step into it. Yeah. Um, and that's we so interesting that. because you said earlier, you were like, yeah, I don't know what happened for me to like mm -hmm. shift to, to trust in and yourself. it's like part of that was it it was like those little moments because like self-doubt and questioning ourselves like it's a very loud voice mm. and so it almost takes like million to one ratio right like we need to write right 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 all those moments of like pride and confidence and feeling just right with ourselves and our self-worth to counteract that and mm. eventually like that begins what we focus on and put our attention to but like just like we talked about at the beginning like all of those things are act of like repetition and practice and they don't happen overnight. I had an athlete I was, uh, I work with and she was like, when will I feel confident? Like, when am I going to feel confident? I'm like, like self-belief and confidence in yourself. It's like stacking bricks. They don't just like, you don't build the foundation in the house at once. It's like they're built brick by brick with these moments, these cookie jar notes, you know, these listing on a piece of paper of all the reasons why we succeed. Like we have to almost like remind ourselves and show ourselves that because like so often I think especially we're like we're battling uh comparison so much in our day and age and that doesn't serve us and like kind of like building up this like cookie jar as you say yeah like we really need to like counteract that with like reminding ourselves like our of our worth and why we we do deserve that yeah. Uh, well, I think it's so interesting there. Like we talked a little bit before recording on social media and the role and mm. this will come full circle in a second. Yeah. We have this, we have this built in negativity biased mm. to us. And that was there from early evolutionary standpoint to help mm. us survive, right? Like when our ancestor ancestors were like out in the, the day, you know, hunting yeah. and gathering, we had to have this negativity bias present in our brain to be able to identify and recognize, oh shit, something's going wrong in mm -hmm. our immediate environment. It's, yeah. it's for our survival. Now, however, we've progressed to a point where as a collective culture, 
we are the safest and most comfortable than we have ever been. Mm. And so a lot of our, but our brain still seeks that stuff out. Right. So with that preface in mind, I want to bring in the conversation of social mm. media because mm-hmm. your intention for this month is spending, oh, yeah. I think yeah. you said like 15 yeah. minutes or less on mm-hmm. Instagram. Right. That's and it's so interesting because I, I don't even know what the average time spent on that app is for people in this demographic that are listening mm. to the show, but yeah. I would guarantee it's it's probably pretty high. Yeah. And if you already have this predisposition negativity bias built into you, yeah. and then you introduced this opportunity where mm. every three seconds you can compare yourself to someone else out there in the world that exists. Mm-hmm. Next thing you know, you've probably consumed like a million. <laughs> we don't even know how it's impacting our brain. Like I don't that. even know the, the long-term the, effects of that. Yeah. So my, my question kind of becomes mm-hmm. like you mentioned earlier, almost like it, there's this point of diminishing returns of mm-hmm. consuming social media, but also this internal battle of like, well, yeah, you just wrote a book. You just... Yeah, did some things and you, you run a business and yeah. it obviously benefits from social media. Yeah. How mm-hmm. are you managing that relationship and how can someone listening in maybe better manage their relationship with social media? I sorry to say mine. It's not definitely not perfect. And this is why I like have this in my intention because I'm aware of it. And like Corey, that's the like struggle. I think many entrepreneurs or like business owners or just like people functioning in our society that want to have a social life face is like, wow, I like even being able to DM someone and meet someone across the world or connect on a, a common uh, activity in your life. Like that is so cool. Mm-hmm. There's people I've met at races around the world that I'm connected to on social media. And I love to stay in touch with them and support them and engage in conversation or think of all the people that DM me from like my book and share their pictures with me. Like the life that that gives me is so beautiful, but I almost want to take that to another platform where I can dive deeper and expand on the conversations and the thought process because it's like, so it's not enough for Instagram. Like this needs to like, we need to dive into this more. And so for me, like, I don't know if this is the magic fix. I've definitely taken periods of my life where I've just like stepped away from social media entirely for a few months. Mm-hmm. And that I felt liberated in that I also just came out of the book and like any person, like I do want to shout that from the rooftops. I am proud about it. There's so much more I want to expand on and share and create content for. And at the same time, I'm, I notice it zapping my energy. I notice it stealing my attention every single time I go in there. Yes, I am comparing myself like, oh, my writing's not as good. Oh, I should have promoted myself that way. Oh, like, you know, I take away likes already. Like I try to like always remove that and like not focus on that. But even then, like you're still scrolling and constantly seeing that. And there is a very, I also am inspired by people. Like I also am learning and and surrounding myself with content that I'm like, ooh, that like gave me a nugget to write on. And I appreciate that. Mm. But like, it doesn't even, after a few minutes, like, it goes away. And so how can I go on once a day for 15 minutes? Maybe by saying this out loud, this will like help me hold accountability to it because this was not easy. And then I engage very mindfully. I'm all about mindfully consuming and that expands way beyond our plate, but into our attention mm-hmm. and what we're feeding ourselves through our phone and through our ears, um, not just our mouth. So if I go on for 15 minutes, I engage mindfully. I like follow up with people. I sell books through my DMs. So I need to like still be able to do that, you know? Um, I want to solve conversations, but I want to take those to a place where we can engage more mindfully and be more present with that instead of like having our, our attention taken from us. It's almost like when you're on social media, it controls you. And mm-hmm. I want to have control of my experience and what I'm getting out of it. 
Yeah, I mean, it's this beautiful tool, but it's so easy. It's a multi-tool. Mm. <laughs> it's so easy to open it up. And before you realize, like, I mean, I did it earlier today. I was like, Yeah. I need Oh, yeah. my intention opening this app is going to do this, this, and this. And next thing I Right. know, I'm like three TikToks deep. I'm like, Oh, no, my no, gosh. no, that's not why I'm not here. <laughs> I know. like, And then what are you you, doing? when you create self-awareness, you realize, oh my gosh, but I can't even pull myself out of this. Like no one is immune to this. Like we all face this, no matter how like self-enlightened you are. And like you're, it's designed, it's genius. They put billions of dollars into this. Like it works, you know, for a reason. So you just have Yeah. to, we have to create uh, boundaries around it, honestly. And like, You know, it's not that we lack willpower. It's that it's designed to steal our attention like this. So, yeah, that's what I hope. I hope I like, yeah, my my little uh, intentions for the month are sitting right next to me. It's like I constantly have to like remind myself of it. But yeah, just like use it once daily. And I'm really excited to see about creating that extra space and and just like getting like all the fuzz. Like anytime you're consuming something, like even subconsciously, like it's, it's staying in your head. You're having other people's ideas in your head. You can't even differentiate what's your idea and what's someone else's idea that you were exposed to. Like, I just want to have my ideas in my head and then be exposed to inspiration and ideas through com like community conversations through like consuming podcasts and reading books. Like I really am craving that right now for Mm. myself. I love that. Yeah, I think I, I want to share a tangible thing for the listeners and then also Yeah, for you that's I that's love helped that. me with at least my relationship with social media is one removing the social apps from my home screen so you can Mm-hmm. That's you a great can hold one. it down and remove that and the second thing is if you go into settings you can go into each individual app and re turn off the function that it shows up in your Siri search um so that if if you just like scroll down on your search bar to search for Instagram or search for TikTok um it won't show up And what you end up like, what I end up having to do to go onto Instagram, I have to type out Instagram fully and then hit search app store. Then it goes into the app store. And then, and only then can I hit open on Instagram. So I've introduced like five steps, Yeah. which sounds like ridiculous to someone, Mm but hmm it's in those five steps that I am way more likely to consciously catch myself going through the motion of phone is unlocked. And now I'm on and I'm on the Typing app. in my password. Like, it's You like, know what I mean? instead of kind of like compared to what you were saying before, before you realize it, you're like so much in it. You didn't even realize you were doing it. You just were doing I mean, it in the like think spare how this, moment that you have. yeah, I think how this thing's designed. Most people have raised to wake um, turned on. That's another thing that I turn off. So like when I pull out my phone, it doesn't light up because it, with raised to wake and then your face ID, before you even know it, your phone's unlocked. And if you have your Instagram on your homepage, like Yeah. before you even take a breath and and Yeah. you're in, you're in the thing. And so it's like, if you want to be more mindful, that's a great way to, to introduce some Thank friction you for sharing the, the anytime. search bar deletion because I don't have it on my home screen. I deleted it entirely. So I do have to search for it. However, like Does your it come brain up just as finds like suggested? another way. Yeah. Yeah. Your brain still finds a way. It's like, it's honestly just like, I need like four more steps. I need more than one. And Yeah. again, like I, I, I think having this conversation is important to realize like this has nothing to do with our willpower. This has nothing to do with us. Um, like we're not strong enough to resist it. No, it's like these things are designed just like recognize that these were very intentionally designed for us to pick it up and use it. Like we are all vulnerable to this. Um, there's no person that is like above 
and not influenced by this app. Like everyone is like, we all are. So it's like, how do you create boundaries and how do you create intentional practices to ensure like what you are consuming was something intentional and that you meant to do it? Yeah. I was about to say, it's all about just setting up an environment in a way that that serves you and what what you're searching for. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And like, we all could use that. Yeah. I'd be curious for those listening in to to drop as much as I hate new year's resolutions. Let's change the word to intentions. Mm -hmm. I love that you're doing intention month by month. I'm going to encourage whoever's listening to this to, to set an intention today for the rest of at least January or whenever you're tuning in and, and feel free to share it with Amanda and I, whether that be on on social Mm -hmm. or, or wherever through email. Um, I do love email. (laughs) Email's great. You send the best emails. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I want to want to be mindful of of our time here. And I I really do appreciate this conversation. Definitely something we could continue on for a while. We could have gone so many different directions. I know. I want to I want to wrap with the fast five which are more rapid fire like one word, one sentence uh-huh. answers. Okay. They're fun. Best. Number one is what's your go-to podcast that you're jamming out to? I love Huberman. I love Rich Roll, but right now I've been really into On Being. Mm. It's like I'm familiar with the first two, not the third. So I'll check you it out. listen to that one. It's really it gives you a lot of food for thought. Number two, if you're in a space where you've been reading books, what's your favorite book that you've read in the past year? Oh my gosh. Okay. I just have to say I'm in between six books right now, which is that's why I'm like, when people are like, I haven't finished your book. I'm like, I get it. Like I reach, I'm a chronic big book picker upper. Um, I am right now in, I've, I've, I'm going to say one book that I'm reading right now that I love. And it is um, Megan Rapinoe's uh, book on like kind of her journey and like her mm. social justice stand, um, in soccer and what has she done to like gone up in these systems that are bullying people and how she reflects on that throughout her whole life. And that book's been really speaking to me. Heck yeah. I love that. Spoken like a true ADHD yes. uh, person. Yeah. <laughs> Literally I have, no a book- shame. <laughs> I have a bookmark and maybe like half of these books. There's a me. time and place to pick up a certain book. I think there's certain books that are like really speaking to me at certain moments. So I just roll with that. I love it. I love it. Just checking in with what you need. Mm-hmm. Uh, number three, what is something that you can't live without? Oh, a pencil. Mm. I have to always be writing things down or like my brain. And this is why I write. My brain is so cluttered. Um, it's going a mile a minute. If I don't write it down, I lose it. And um, if I can just write it down when it's going for me, it just makes things a lot easier. Love it. Number four, what is a quote that you live by? Mm, so I love this quote. It's called, it's by Wayne Dyer. And it goes, when you change the way you look at things, things you look at change. It's mm, a powerful one. Mm-hmm. Number five, this one, one should be easy because you just journaled on it this morning. If you could sum up your focus right now into one word, mm. what is it? Receiving. Mm. There you go. Beautiful. I'll leave it at one word. I could go on for that forever. But. It's the, you know, it's the rapid fire round. <laughs> yeah. You made it through just the five, five questions. <laughs> That's always the hardest part for me on podcasts. I'm like, it were like this or that. So I'm like, but, and. Mm. Like, no, no. Keep it in short, sweet. Mm-hmm. Um, Amanda, this is a really powerful conversation. I appreciate you. I yeah. just want to acknowledge just not only your own journey and growth, but the way that you're doing it and sharing it with others, I think is really admirable. And I've gotten a lot out of, 
since connecting with you and I want to encourage people listening in to connect with you. Where can people find more of you? Where can they get the book? Where can they interact? Well, first, just thank you for that compliment. Um, I am receiving the same from you. And I feel like these are like reciprocal and like just like these kind of, it's like a feedback loop, like who you surround yourself with, like does so much for you. And I get and receive so much from you and what you share and you inspire me in so many ways. So thank you for that. Um, I think that like my environment really helps allow me to be who I am. So Mm. thank you for me, like where you can find me, of course, like I'm on social media, Amanda Pressgraves um, on Instagram. And I haven't like, I not really that much on TikTok. I know my (laughs) tendencies with that. So like, I can't distract myself with it, but I do like love engaging in conversations through like Instagram messages. Um, but through like, you can get my book on my website or like anywhere books are sold with like Barnes and Noble, Amazon books, a million bookshops.org. Um, I hope to have it in more indie bookshops coming up in the new year, which I'm really excited about having a presence there and supporting those businesses. Um, I also have created a new space for conversation and engaging in longer form discussion with people with at the non-recipe collective. Um, so by like just messaging me, you can join that as well. It's free right now. I just want to have a space where a container really for holding mm. like more conversations and having people expand upon the reflections and lessons that start in the kitchen and carry over to life and the mindsets and movement practices and lifestyle practices that stem from it. Um, and trying to think if I'm missing anything. Yeah. You can go to my website and buy my book there too. If I didn't say that already. Beautiful. We'll have that all linked for you all in the show notes below. Mm -hmm. Amanda, again, thank you so much. Thank you. You're tuning into this. Remember to share with a teammate, share it with someone in your life that could get some value from this conversation. Let us know what you got out of it too. I love always hearing those, like kind of those moments that I have in my own life where I'm like, Oh, screenshot, write it down. Like what Mm -hmm. spoke to you? I always ask people that with, and you probably feel the same with your book too. Like having, it's a back and forth conversation. I feel like I want to be constantly engaging and hearing what other people are, how they're participating, how they're engaging. That's so important and like feeds me so much. So share with us. I love it. I love it. As we talked about, you know, take some time off of social, but like intentionally to to interact. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I can really feel us. Amazing. Amazing. Until next week, my friends, flow on. Mm -hmm.